pray this message blesses and encourages you. Praise God. You're so welcome. It's great to be in church today, isn't it? It's great to be in church today. <laughs> so, sorry, bro. Sorry. Sorry. No, it's me. Have that impact on people. Praise God. We are on the last of our storyteller series today. And it's so that means it's going to be the last week of our life groups as well. We'll be discussing this preaching, this teaching in our life groups uh, during the week. And uh, praise God for our life groups. I wonder for all of our hosts and for Cleanu who heads it up and puts all the great notes together for the leaders of the meeting, can we just give them a round of applause and say thank you for giving us your homes. We've had uh, the distinct pleasure and privilege of having my dad's sister over from London this weekend. Uh, my dad's sister, my aunt, uh, she has six children and one of them had their a special birthday, I won't say. Uh, it was a very special birthday age. And praise God, they came and they celebrated and they were over with us on Friday evening. And it was just so precious, so special. There's nothing like a great get-together, is there? A great party, getting reacquainted, great food, just great everything. And um, we just had such a fantastic evening. And I was thinking of, uh, you know, the different cultures that are represented in this church and one of the things that we have in common, I would say, is that we all love a good party. Amen. Three of us love a good party. We all love a good party. And in, in some countries, uh, a, a good wedding is very, very hard to compare anything else to because a good wedding is just out of this world. We think that we do weddings well uh, in Ireland until I heard stories of some of your weddings where the weddings were over two or three days. Uh, some of you had a wedding that was over a week. Praise the Lord. I would love to see how Irish people would fare after three days, let alone seven days. There's different marriage customs all over the world. And today we're going to be turning on our scripture in a few moments. And we're going to be brought to the concept of a wedding that is happening. And it's happening during Jesus' time. And during Jesus' time, there was a special way that the weddings ran. The marriage custom of the day was as follows. The groom would go to prepare a place for his bride. And that could be in his own house or it could be in his father's house. And then he would go to her father's house to get her. And then the father would beat him up. Oh, sorry, no, that's just me. That's just what will happen when they come to my door. Sorry, I just, sorry. No one's coming near my daughters. But anyway, in, 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 this, in this story, uh, he would go to the father's house to get her. And there would be a small party at the father's house. And that could go on for that afternoon, that evening. It could go on into the next day. It would depend. So, so obviously, there could be a delay. They weren't on the clock. It was when they felt that that was finished. And then when they felt it was finished, the bride and the groom would go then to the father's house, to the, to the groom's house for the marriage feast or the banquet, which, as we say, could last seven days. Could you imagine me, the DJ? Oh, you'd be exhausted after six hours, my Lord. Today, we're going to be in Matthew 25, verse 1 to 13, and we're going to be focusing on the 10 virgins or the 10 bridesmaids, depending on your translation. And the young bridesmaids would be part of the wedding party and they would be somewhere along the route as 
the groom and the bride came from her father's house and they were making their way to the groom's house or the groom's father's house, the, the bridesmaids would be waiting and they would be waiting for them to come in the hope that they would join in with the procession and they would be joyous and shouting in joy and singing in joy, joining with the procession, and then they would all enter in with the bridal party into the feast. It was so important that the bridesmaids connected with the right crowd because then they were able to slip right in. But if they weren't in the procession, the doorkeepers would close the doors and turn anyone away who was coming after the doors were closed because they didn't know them. Surely they're not part of this wedding because everyone would have either been waiting for the wedding to start at the venue or they would have been part of the procession with the bride and groom coming in and anyone else after that is a stranger. So that's a little bit of context as we get to our scripture. Matthew 25 verse 1 to 13, at that time the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins, 10 bridesmaids who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. Then all the virgins woke up, trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, oh, sorry, I said that already, didn't I? <laughs> no, while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in and went to the wedding banquet and the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, please open the door for us. But he replied, Truly I tell you, I don't know you. Therefore, and this is the point of the parable, keep watch because you do not know the day or the hour. I love when you're preparing a message and Jesus already gives you the point of the message. Uh, it's very clear that this is what he wants us to get from, what he's just told us about the wedding. And it's very clear what the main point of the parable is, that he wants his people to be a people who keep watch. How are you at keeping watch? Keeping watch over your life. Keeping watch over the condition of your soul. Keeping, keeping watch over your actions, over your words, over your attitudes. Keeping watch for the return of the King. For Jesus Christ coming back to be the King of Kings for all time. When as we sang, all the enemies of God will be slain, including death itself. In verse 13, Jesus is expressing this. He's summing it up. He's letting us know what this is all about. So if you remember nothing else today as you're going home, the Lord Jesus would want you to remember two words. Keep, keep watch. Keep watch. Keep watch for the arrival of the groom. All 10 bridesmaids were called to the wedding. These virgin bridesmaids had been called to a special duty at a local wedding. At local weddings at that time, most of the town, if not all of the town, would have been there. And these had been called to do a special purpose on behalf of the family, on behalf of the bride and groom. The ten 
each of them had access to the same privilege of being special guests of the bride and groom. The ten had the same access to the feast. The ten had the same access to the groom. But only five out of the ten got in. Keep watch. Keep watch. They should have kept watch for the groom. They should have kept watch over what they had responsibility for. Amen. These psalms are, are so, sorry, these parables are so sobering, aren't they? And, and they just jolt us to pay attention to the condition of our walk and the condition of our relationship with Jesus and the condition of our souls. Jesus says, many are called, but few are chosen. And in Matthew 7, verse 21, Jesus cautions, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who have done the will of my Father in heaven. Jesus here is alluding to never knowing those who call upon him, but do not live as though they ever really wanted to know him. We, we can do things off the cuff. We can, as I said, in the last time I preached, we can have this desire that we want to go to heaven, but do we really want to know the king of heaven? Do we really want to sing the hymn of heaven? Do we really want to be part of the heaven that is Jesus Christ? Because Jesus Christ is the treasure. Jesus Christ is the destination, and Jesus Christ is the focus. And when we know him, we know eternal life. And when we're known by him, we have eternal life. I feel there's so much in this parable that Jesus wants us to keep watch over. And we're going to get to some of these points. But let me just say from the outset that this in no way is an encouragement towards selfishness. Amen? You could read this and you could think, wow, this sounds like a bit of a moral lesson about the selfish ones who were wise and selfish, and they kept the oil to themselves. They kept all that they had. But that is totally the wrong point that you would pick up from this parable. Because throughout the New Testament, and throughout all that Jesus teaches, he talks about being open-hearted, open-handed, sharing, being resourceful in your generosity. He's always talking about giving. So the point here is not about being selfish. The point here is about being wise. There's a massive difference. In regard to eternal matters, in regard to your soul's health, in regard to your readiness, you need to make preparations. Amen. We, we, as I said before, we make preparations for the most basic of journeys. Why would we not make preparations for the wedding feast of the Lamb? Why would we not have a readiness in our hearts for all that the Lord would want us to be preparing for. It's so important, everyone in this place, to know this. St. Mark's Church cannot save you. The, the church building, you coming in and out of it, won't have any impact on whether or not you or I end up at the wedding feast of the Lamb. What label of church doesn't matter. It won't matter how much you gave to charity. It will boil down to this. Do you know the groom? And does the groom know you? And that's what it will boil down to. And so we keep watch. Keep watch over yourself. The scriptures keep encouraging us to keep watch over ourselves. 
Keep watch over ourselves lest we fall. Keep watch over ourselves lest we fall away. Keep watch over ourselves in all that we are, in knowing our King and in being known by the King. Jesus wants us to keep watch. He wants us to keep watch over our readiness and our preparations. The gas thing is that there's some people here you've already started preparing for Christmas. Amen. We can see it. There's no shame. It's okay. See, see I preach it. See, Susan, bless you, Susan. Susan's at home with the flu. Love you. Susan was in work during the week, and one of the teachers came up to her and it greatly encouraged Susan. She said she had everything bought for Christmas. Thank you for that encouragement. Everything bought for Christmas, mid-November. Every, are these people insane? We are invited in this parable to examine our own preparations for Christ's return. Even though Jesus hasn't left the earth yet, he is talking to his followers, and he's already pointing out to them that we need an anchor for our existence. What is the anchor for our existence? His return. That's the anchor for our existence. We, we live in anticipation of the return of the king. What is significant is that Jesus knew that it possibly wouldn't be the day after he was telling this story, which maybe some of the listeners were hoping it would be, but Jesus was preparing his followers for the delay and for the wait and for letting them know that even in the midst of the delay and the wait, they still had to be ready. When things are delayed a bit, you feel you can take the foot off the gas around preparations. Ah, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. If you're one of those people that always believe that your guests are going to be late, you will never be ready when the doorbell rings. People make assumptions. Ah, oh, no, 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 no. The Joneses are coming today, but sure, they're always late. I think we have a good hour before they arrive. Ding dong. One foot and one. You've one foot and one trouser leg. Sue, there's someone at the door. Who is it? Look out the window. Just through the curtain. It's the Joneses. They're early. And we just feel embarrassed. And we feel out of step. And we feel like, isn't it such a pity that instead of watching that afternoon magazine program and drinking that extra cup of tea and having that extra twirl bar, that I could have been actually doing the preparations that would have had me ready when the doorbell rang. See, preparations express love. Preparations express heart. Preparations express generosity. Preparations and readiness express joy. And when we come up to even festivals like Christmas, all of our readiness and all of our preparations are so that we are ready for the event, ready for the guests, and ready to express our love and how much we feel about these people. So much is expressed through our preparation and our readiness. How are we preparing for Jesus? We're going to be singing a hymn soon over the coming weeks. And part of it goes, let every heart prepare him room. 
Let every heart prepare him room. And we'll get distracted and we'll go down high street and we'll be up the wall and up the trees and down in the shops and we'll be doing everything. But will we be preparing room in our hearts for the focused guest of the season? What a challenge even the Christmas season is in showing us the way that we are and the way that we live. As a pastor, we've the privilege to be with people from birth at times right up to their final breath. It's an absolute privilege. The sacred spaces you get invited into are just phenomenal. And when people are close to dying, one of the responsibilities as a pastor is to go in and to say to that person, are you ready to go? Are you at peace with the Lord? Is there anything that you need to put in order? You know what's so interesting about that? The Greek word used for trim, as in the bridesmaids trimming their lamps, is the Greek word cosmio. Do you know what cosmio means? To put in order. To put in order. To arrange rightly. To make ready and to prepare. Is everything okay with you? Are you ready to meet the king? That might be in an hour. Might be tomorrow. Oh, Sean, this is emotional manipulation. Someone's got to speak the truth. Could be a week, could be a month, could be 10 years. We, we don't know. But because we don't know, that makes the need for readiness even so much more important. And so we're always at that place where we're making sure that our hearts are full of forgiveness and that there's no bitter root and that we have forgiveness, that the Lord can forgive us, that we have gotten to a good place, that we have things in order. Are you saying, Sean, this sets your salvation? No, the blood of the Lamb and what Jesus did on the cross has completed our salvation. We're talking about a readiness and a preparedness for the day of the Lord, for the day of his coming, for the day of our going. Just as we make preparations for the most basic of journeys, surely the journey home deserves our greatest readiness and preparations. Preparedness is seen in how we choose to live while we wait for the groom, his return, the return of the king. Readiness is living for the groom while we wait. Readiness is preparing everything for the groom while we wait. Readiness is living vigilantly while we wait. Are you ready to go? Another thing that Jesus wants us to keep watch for is our oil. The groom has provided the oil, all that you need to be a part of the party all that you need to be a part of the procession has been provided for because this is a wedding. They want no embarrassment. They want everything to be provided for. The oil has been provided. We have the infilling of the Holy Spirit when we came to the groom, when we came to the king, when we came to the master. Praise the Lord. We were filled with the Spirit of God and we were given the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Our vessels are full with the Spirit of God, with the oil of gladness. We are full of the Holy Spirit. And we understand that just as in the word, 
in the world, the oil can power light. So this oil of the presence of God in our lives powers the light of our witness as we live our days and we move through the journey of our time. We need the oil to light our journey with the groom to his feast. We need the oil to light our lights, to light our witness, to light our journey as we journey with the groom to the feast of the Lamb, the ultimate place of celebration in heaven. Your light is needed. Every time that I ever am going on a trip, I will get a phone call from my dad. Do you know what the question from my dad is? Have you checked the oil? Have you checked the oil? Have you checked the oil? I could set my clock by it when I'm about to go on a journey and leave in the car. I'll get this phone call about half an hour before. Have you checked the oil? Have you checked the oil? I'd love to say every time I go, oh, thanks, Dad, for this phone call. I love you. Because normally in the last kind of half an hour before I'm about to go, I'm usually crazily putting stuff in the car and carrying stuff. And back in the day, carrying a kid here, a kid here, and a kid up there, and just kind of trying to get everything in. And you get the phone call. And Hello? Have you checked the oil? Yeah, I've checked the oil. I've checked the oil. So I'd love to say it's always gracious. And I'd love to say that when the Lord comes to my spirit and he says, how's the oil level that I go? Oh, thank you, Jesus, for the checkup. Thank you, Jesus, for checking in on me. The oil level is important. And one of the great things that I can testify about my life is that I spill, I leak, I, I'm... I have bad thoughts at times. I have bad words. I, I do things wrong. And I need to be constantly filled. I, I need the filling of the Holy Spirit every day. I don't know about you. But I certainly need the filling of the Holy Spirit every day. And so I, I, when I ask the Holy Spirit to fill me once again and to refresh me for the day and to make sure that my level is high for the day, praise God, that prepares me for the journey. And it helps my light to shine, please God, better than it would have done if I hadn't asked for that refilling of oil. Our light to our bedroom. So, so we, we converted the attic. And so you have the, the normal stairs up to the, the floor where the usual bedrooms are in our houses. And so then we have another stairs that goes up to the attic. And uh, the, the light was broken there for two weeks. And Lord, help us. The importance of light cannot be underestimated. I, most times I'm the last one to bed. I'm a real night owl. And so every light in the house was normally off. But I could kind of find my way up to that little attic stairs. And then there's a light switch just right at the bottom of the attic stairs. And when I'd touch it, it meant that I had safe passage up those few steps to the attic bedroom. But because I hadn't, changed the light, because I wasn't full of readiness, because I hadn't watched out, it was a nightmare. The amount of times I tripped, I'm not even exaggerating here, and I'd be kind of going, you know, in the, you know the way in the real dark where you're counting the steps, and you're kind of, have I got to the last one? And then you think you've got to the last one, and you walk straight, and there's one more, and you trip over, or you're at the top, and there's an imaginary stairs that you're reaching out for. Is that, is that there? Light, light is so important for every step on the journey. And as we ascend the hill of the Lord, we need the light so much more. And God does not want us to be filled in our lives with trip hazards, but to be people that are so full of oil that our light will always shine and that we will be able to keep going and to keep walking. 
what does keeping my lamp burning look like? Well, it looks like faith in proclamation, faith in your soul, but also faith in action. The Christian tradition has always held the belief that belief and action go together. We come to know Jesus, yes, as our Lord and Savior, and we come to be known by God, but then we also seek to make him known by our words and our actions. You see, in Christianity, we believe that Jesus doesn't just make us new, but when he has made us new, then we are used by him to make things new. Amen? What a, what a privilege. And we act out our faith. I love Psalm 84. The faithful go through tough times. They pass through the valley of Baca. But even as they pass through tough times, it says in the scripture, they make it a place of springs. Wow. They're being made by God. God is forming them. God is saving them. God is sanctifying them. But even as they're going through a valley, through a tough time, they are making it a place of springs. Because, praise God, we are filled with the oil of gladness, the oil of anointing, the oil of ability, the oil of the Holy Spirit's power to be the people God wants us to be. So whether it be inward devotion, such as prayer, scripture, meditation on the scriptures, or participating in private or communal acts of worship, or if it's outward actions of loving and serving our neighbors, all of this is so important that our oil levels are high and that we can do what God needs us to do, and we can go the distance because we have the high oil levels. Keep watch over your oil. Keep watch over your readiness. Keep watch over your time. How we behave in the in-between time is critical. How we behave in the in-between time is critical. Let's go back to that example of you preparing for someone to come. You've put out beautiful food. You've put out the best of stuff. You've tidied the house. You've hoovered the front room for the first time in three months. You've really put a lot of effort into this. This is really going to have an impact. And then you find out by a text that they're a bit delayed. And that delay kind of goes from kind of being 20 minutes to being an hour. And then you get a text that says, Accident on the M50 could be a bit longer. And you're there, and now at this stage, you're starving. And that chicken leg just looks so, it looks so gorgeous. And how we act in the in-between, how we act in the delay, how we act in the wait is going to have a massive impact on the time that the doorbell rings. Our guests could arrive and everything has been consumed and there's been no thinking about the guests. Or there could be that diligence and that I'm going to stick it out and I'm going to make sure that they walk into all that we have prepared for them. In the time between now and the groom's arrival, the return of Jesus Christ, what we do in the meantime is so important. How we live in the time allotted to us by Jesus is very, very important. How we wait when there are delays are crucial. We need to live in a timetable that is different to the one that we would prefer. Even when we pray, when we pray, oh, we come in oh so holy and oh so gracious, and we bring our requests to the Lord. And then usually our last line is, if we don't say it, we feel it in our hearts. And Lord, I want them answered now. 
You might not say it because we're so spiritual and we're so Pentecostal and we love everybody. But in our hearts, we're there. And Lord, all of these things I've asked you for, I want them now. Okay, I might give you a couple of days. And like we're setting the timetable for sovereign God, for sovereign God. We're, we're, we're bringing our requests and we're bringing our timetable and we're saying, Lord, you're going to do this and this is when you're going to do it. Amen. We must bow the knee to God's sovereignty and we have to bow the knee to his timing. Have you bowed the knee to God's timing? Are you browned off with his timing? Are you sick of the delay? God wants you to watch and keep watch over your time and your relationship with time. Do we truly keep watch over our time like a precious gift? I think I waste time. I think sometimes I waste time with my phone. Sometimes I see people wasting time in toxic relationships. Sometimes I see so many young people wasting time on gaming and being locked away in a dark room and just a screen frying their brains. And, and then we see people just getting taken away for an evening of weeks or a week of evenings on box sets. But we pray and we tell God, hey God, I've only got three minutes to pray, but hey Lord, here it comes. And by the way, I want you to answer it now. We hear God inviting us to the wedding feast. And we say to the King of Kings, ah, I'll do it on my time. Imagine turning up at a wedding you've been invited to in your time. That's expressing they should be privileged that I'm coming. They should, that, that bride, I know it's the bride's day, but they should be privileged that I am coming to their wedding. I will turn up at my time. No, you won't. You turn up at the time that's on the invitation, don't you? Because we want to honor and we want to bless the people that have invited us. And so it is in our walk with God. We turn up and we do his bidding in his timing. We wait on his timing. He has the perfect time for everything that we need in our lives. Wise, pure followers of Jesus Christ Keep watch over their time and keep watch over the times that they live in. We're nearly there. We keep watch over our service. God wants us to finish well. God wants us to endure to the end. Even though we don't know when it will occur, when the end will come, when Jesus will return, when we will be taken home in glory before his return, we don't know. But we need to stay meaningfully, meaningfully engaged in our relationship with the groom until the end. And how we do that meaningfully is that we continue to serve him. Amen. One of the ways to engage in this process of the wait and the delay is to make sure that we're kept doing his bidding. There's an old phrase, it's not in the Bible, and it says, the devil makes work for idle hands to do. And there's a semblance of truth in that. Until he returns, until we arrive at the wedding feast, we keep serving the king. In this parable, Matthew has the return of Jesus and the future arrival of the kingdom of heaven in mind. This parable, interestingly, for those who love reading their scriptures, this follows on the heels of obviously Matthew 24. There's going to be no prizes for that. After Matthew 24 is Matthew 25. But in Matthew 24, it was the parable of the faithful slave. 
And this was the parable that Jesus told before he went into this parable of the ten virgins. And in the parable of the faithful slave, he's found to be busy and working when the master arrived. But the wicked slave in the parable was found to be cavorting with drunkards and abusing others when the master was delayed. So when the master arrived, the wicked slave was caught off guard. He thought he had time. He thought there was loads of things that he could do to do right, to kind of get his service right while he was serving wrong. But he missed out. The parable of the faithful and wicked slaves sets the scene then for this parable that we're in about the wedding attending virgins. The reader already understands that there will be end times. The listener to Jesus is understanding while he's talking about end times, he's talking about readiness, he's talking about watchfulness. This is all in the atmosphere as Jesus went into the parable of the 10 virgins. We show God we are being watchful by our dedication and our commitment to serving him with the gifts he has given us in the time he has given us, in the place he has put us, and we do it with all of our hearts because that shows that we're keeping watch in Jesus' name. And our last point today, and this is so key, watch your heart. Watch your heart. Watch your heart. Proverbs tells us, above all else, guard your, above all else, guard your heart. Above everything, guard your heart. The enemy will come in to try and twist your heart. The enemy will come in to try and, try and make your heart bitter. The enemy will come in to make your heart doubt. The enemy will come in and kind of go, well, he's a bit delayed. He hasn't come in 2,000 years. Maybe a good chill. Maybe he could do what you want to do there that looks very tempting and looks so tasty. But Jesus wants us waiting and watching with all of our hearts. We need to make sure that our heart is in the right place. Do you know what? There's nothing like a delay or a wait to show what's in our hearts. Oh, lads, you wouldn't like to see me in traffic. Oh, my goodness me. I kind of sometimes can see my kids in the rear view mirror when I'm stuck in traffic because they're used like this. Looking up to heaven. Oh, dad's off again. I kind of come out with statements like, why is that tractor on the road? It, was, it hasn't been out all week. It hasn't been out all week, but then when I'm in a rush to get to a place, the tractor comes out and goes 20 mile an hour in front of my car. Why is the tractor out this week? I go into these illogical kind of rages about what's in front of me, even though it's my own fault that I wasn't ready, prepared, or left early enough. There's nothing like a delay or waiting, waiting on a gift, waiting on a person, waiting on a package, waiting in traffic to show what's in our hearts. Because let's face it, we all love to be kept waiting, don't we? Is your heart ready for the delay? Is your heart ready in the delay? Not annoyed or impatient or tempted to give up or tempted to go and do your own thing or lose the head, but enduring to the end. The foolish bridemaids assented to being part of the party, but they were not committed to the end. They had enough for the short term, but they did not have enough for the long, steady obedience in the same direction. They were not there at the end. The wise bridesmaids, what brave? I'm speaking in tongues now. The wise bridesmaids, on the other hand, came prepared and brought supplies. They came prepared and they brought supplies. They knew what they had signed up for, and they saw, they saw their pledge true with the full heart, with a whole heart. 
the foolish bridesmaids were half-hearted. The wise bridesmaids were whole-hearted. How is your heart? Are you still whole-hearted for Jesus? Are you still on fire in your heart for him? Is he the greatest gift in your heart? Is he the greatest love in your heart? Is he the greatest pleasure in your heart? Is he the greatest focus of your heart? I love it that, that Jesus isn't cold-hearted towards us. And one of my favorite parts in this parable, as I close, worship team, could you join me? One of my favorite parts in this parable is that all 10 of them fall asleep. All 10 of them fall asleep. And, and the groom didn't disown them because they fell asleep. It's a bit like Jesus in the garden when he was praying and he asked the guys just to stay up an hour with him. And they all fell asleep and Jesus didn't disown him or disown them as his disciples. See, Jesus knows that waiting can be tiring and delays can be exhausting. But even though they slept, Jesus didn't reject them or cast them out. All of the bridesmaids fell asleep to remind us that we need to continue to be diligent. And even when we are diligent and busy, we will get tired and we will fall asleep. But we continue to be diligent and wholehearted. God knows that we need rest and refreshing at times and that the weight can really take it out of us. But we can still rest and still be watchful at the same time. There's an old African-American spiritual song from the South that's based on this scripture. And it's called, Keep Your Lamps Trimmed and Burning. And one thing that is stunning about this song that would have been sung as these precious people worked in the heat of the day and they would have been beaten to a pulp by their oppressive slave owners. They would sing these songs to each other to encourage each other, to stay the, the distance, to keep enduring, even though they were waiting for the Lord. And what's amazing about the song is that they didn't specifically sing about Christ's return, though they knew that was coming. But they focused about enduring in the meantime, in the delay, in the waiting. And they would sing, children, don't grow weary. Children, don't grow weary. Children, don't grow weary. The time is drawing nigh. We are living in the craziest of times. Can I speak over St. Mark's Church family today and those watching online? Children, don't grow weary. Please don't grow weary. Please do not give up and grow weary. The time is drawing nigh. The world is hurting. Violence is a daily reality. Illness and the global pandemic put us out of step. Wars are part of our daily news intake. We're being told that climate change is going to destroy the world and AI is going to take your jobs. Young people are committing suicide by the dozen. And there's no exaggeration there. It seems like the promise of peace, wholeness, or even hope is far away. It's been delayed. But Jesus says into our hearts today, keep watch, be alert. 
be vigilant. I am coming. I am coming soon. And Lord God, may you find us, Lord Jesus, ready. May you find us full of oil. May you find us, Lord God, be wise with our time. May you find us serving. And may you find us wholehearted. Let's all stand in this place. Let's stick our hands up to heaven. And let's just in Jesus' name now say, Lord, may, Lord God, you just bless our hearts right now, Lord God. And may, Lord God, you just give us a sense of urgency about our, our pre preparedness, our readiness, that you would give us a sense of urgency, Lord God, about the shortness of time we have, that you would give us a sense of urgency, Lord God, about our oil levels, that you would give us a sense of urgency, Lord God, about having that spiritual health check today, Lord God. And also, Lord God, not just about keeping watch over this temple, over this vessel, over this house of the Lord that you have privileged us to live in and to walk in, but that we would keep watch for our neighbors, keep watch for our family, keep watch for the return of the King. Lord, we want to be ready. We want to be watchful. We want to be vigilant. And we pray right now, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh upon us, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. If you'd like any more information, please visit stmarkcity.ie. Have a very blessed week.